For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Shamarco Thomas. It's like a missile. It's a heat-seeking missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through that person. An explosive safety. For some programs, maybe doesn't mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot. Welcome, Syracuse fans, to the Believe in Syracuse podcast, the first episode. I'm your host, Mike McAllister of Syracuse on Sports Illustrated, and I have a very special co-host who will be helping me navigate the Syracuse football season for all of you. That is former Syracuse safety and Pittsburgh Steelers safety, New York Jets, Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis Colts. He's been all over the NFL. Shamarco Thomas, I think, diehard Syracuse football fans know the name quite well. Shamarco, it's it's exciting to be with you. It's a, a privilege to be talking Syracuse football with you this year. Um, you know, what can Syracuse fans expect from you as as we discuss the team this year in our podcast? Man, just a bunch of excitement. Hopefully, man, we get these W's, man, and I can share them on, man. I'm great to be an alumni, man, and uh, just ready to see what they do this year. Let's start by uh, discussing the season opener. And um, as a side note, we have um, – uh, our our wonderful producer Kyle Leff is is going to be uh, taking care of a lot of the behind the scenes stuff with the podcast, and we'll bring him in uh, from time to time to discuss Syracuse football as well. But we want to start this week's episode by discussing Syracuse's season opening win against Ohio, or the Orange won twenty nine to nine, two hundred and eighty three rushing yards for the Orange, shut down Ohio's vaunted rushing game, kind of flipped the script in terms of what Ohio is trying to do to its opponents. Shamarco, from your experience playing, you know, from watching things from afar, how important is it to start a season winning game one, especially when you're on the road? You know you're playing against a MAC team that's going to be looking at this game as one of their biggest of the season, and you're still able to go and get a convincing three-score win um, in that game. How important is that to, to your team's mentality and then how you navigate the rest of the season? Man, it's, it's a great it's a great start. You know, it boosts up the team's confidence, knowing they can go on the road and beat a team like that. And also just knowing the offense can put up points against a, a loud crowd, you know what I'm saying? And even the defense. I uh, I know last year was hard to stop the run, and they did it. They made Ohio get, uh, get into their pass. So I think it's a very great start, you know, and uh, I hope they keep the momentum because when you can win again on, on the road, man, you definitely win at home. You know, yeah. home is easier than the road. Absolutely. And that was clearly the game plan from Syracuse was to try to shut down the Ohio rushing game, make them throw the ball to beat you. And while they had some successful plays through the air, it wasn't consistent and they weren't able to get into the end zone when they got down into the red zone. Syracuse was really able to shut to shut them down. Red zone defense, Shamarco, was was huge for Syracuse in this game. Um, what are your thoughts on a, how Syracuse was able to be successful in the red zone? And then what's a defense's mentality when a team gets inside your 20 yard line to try to keep them out of the end zone? 
man, defense mentality in the red zone is either get a field goal or shut them out, man. That's what they did. So I feel like they did their job, man, and uh, I hope they keep it on for the season. Uh, it's just a mentality. You know, you know, even on offense, you know, you expect your defense to get you, get them off the field, get the ball back to you, and that's what they've done, man, in every situation of that game. So I feel like the defense done their job, and I hope they keep that progress. And, no, that's an important stop. Those are important stops, man. You like to go through it now, but if you get in the, in the red zone, it's to get a field goal or get the ball back to your offense. It's, it's a momentum turner as well. You know, when, when the Syracuse defense was giving up some plays, especially on that first drive, you know, Ohio's driving the ball on the first drive and the crowd's behind them and you know, both teams are trying to make an early statement and Syracuse ends up forcing a long field goal that misses and they're able to turn around and score a touchdown. Then as they grabbed control of the game, Ohio's trying to turn momentum back in their favor. Back, yeah. And then you keep them out of the end zone, hold them to field goals, and, and you sort of keep the momentum on your side, especially when you turn around and answer their field goal with a touchdown. touchdown uh, it yeah. really changes the, the attitude and the demeanor, I think, on both sides. Um, but, you know, from your perspective, when, when you're playing, what is the difference in mentality? How do you approach each play differently when you're in the red zone as opposed to when you're between the 20s? Oh, every play count. Every inch count, man. You know, ultimately, you don't want them to get that big. Like you said, you want to give them a situation that they can miss, you know what I'm saying? Putting the pressure on their kicker. But ultimately, it's to get the turnover or get the stop so our offense get on the field and be excited to know that our defense is ready in every situation, you know, and they got their back. I feel like it gives the offense the best confidence getting on the field, knowing that, like I said, you can be in any situation backed up in the opponent's red zone and see defense play at a high caliber like that and make them get to a field goal or miss a field goal, man. It got the offense the confidence to put points on the board. You know, they get more opportunities. And speaking of defensive backs, there is one – Syracuse player who was playing in his first college game, and you wouldn't know it by his performance. Deuce Chestnut, Chestnut. announced himself yeah. to Syracuse fans, to college football fans. Dino Babers called it perhaps the most impressive freshman debut that he's ever seen. He said in his press conference Monday morning that he hasn't given a, a true freshman a game ball in his 35 years of coaching, and yet Deuce Chestnut got that against yes, Ohio. Uh, what was what was your impression of Deuce Chestnut? I assume it's got to be similar to what everyone else's was, which was you know extremely impressed by what he did. Oh yeah, a freshman coming out of there, eight tackles, one for a loss, and a crazy interception, man. I mean, he worked in all season, man. He can't they pay it off, man. And obviously, coaches trusted him and they're excited by his progress and his game, man. I liked it. He was impressive, man. He's not scared to tackle, great cover. You know what I'm saying? Come up and get a pick. You know what I'm saying? Late in the game, so. He's doing his thing, man. I hope his future – I know his future is going to be bright, man, because that's a confidence booster. As a freshman getting in the game and establishing yourself that fast, man, there's no selling to it. So I wish the best for Chestnut. The tackling was the most impressive thing to me because, you know, when you have an athletic kid, he comes in, he makes the crazy one-handed interception. Like, oh, you know, okay, <laughs> there's, there's athleticism, instincts, et cetera, to that. But the tackling ability, right, there's a lot of defensive backs that have reputation of being poor tacklers and especially I didn't say you were but there are those out there that do and or that struggle with consistent open field tackling right and so as a true freshman he he didn't just do that once or twice about four or five of his tackles were in that situation he led the team in solo tackles with five it was it was those plays that I think in the last couple of years 
would have been 15, 20, 25 yard gains. And he stops them for three, four, five yards. And perhaps, you know, a five yard gain doesn't seem like much in uh, when you're watching live, but preventing that play from, from turning into 15, 20 yards, getting momentum, a chunk play, another first down, you turn it into a second and five, that can be such a huge difference. And he did that several times, clearly not afraid to be physical, clearly ready from a physical standpoint. Uh, but I want to get your perspective on uh, learning how to tackle in an open field, how difficult that is as a young player in college. And so how does that sort of uh, dictate how impressed you are by Deuce's performance with his ability to make those tackles? I'm definitely impressed because coming from high school, you know, the game is a little bit slower and he coming to college is a little bit faster. So obviously he practiced how he played. I, I know for example, see on the field, that's how he practiced in practice. You know, he practiced game like situations and he went hard and he, I bet you he made all them practices and tackles in practice, not not even just tackles, studs up, you know what I'm saying, getting to the ball, pursuing to the ball, getting the right angles, because when you come up from high school, you might be the most athletic player, you know, you're going against some players good and average, but in college, you're going to have them athletes that can make you miss an open field. So obviously he knows the knowledge and also the skills and techniques to take certain angles and make the tackles. Man, I'm very impressed, man, for him to be a true freshman coming in and making them type plays. He came in during the spring. He was an early enrollee. Oh, so he's ahead of the so game. That, that's the, the next thing I was going to ask you is how much those spring sessions help in terms of knowledge of the playbook, development, working on some things that, you know, maybe you're unclear about. How much do those spring sessions really help a, a player's development? It, it helps fast because, honestly, when you come in the spring, you've got an opportunity to get the knowledge and attain the knowledge before. For the, the dudes that come in the summer. And that means where he was at in the summer was probably the game slowed down. He has more repetitions, you know what I'm saying? Got his pads more lather, you know what I'm saying? He probably got, got a little shook, shake, shook enough in the spring ball, got all the rust out, and then he developed himself in the summer. You know what I'm saying? He, had, he knew what he had to work on. So I feel like that's why he's so fine-tuned now, because he had to go through the bumps and the rolls or whatever. I can't say because I didn't watch him in spring. But he probably had to go through the bumps and rolls to learn them angles and learn that knowledge to be a college player. And then when it came to summer, because he worked all summer and getting the, getting the practice, it became natural and it slowed down the game for him. So I feel like once he spring will help you slow the game down and you can play as yourself like you was in high school. And and you can take all summer and you know use those points from the coaching staff to work on so that you're you're hitting the ground running during training camp. And interestingly, yes, he took a very similar path to another recent Syracuse defensive back who started and made an impact right away as a true freshman, Andre Cisco. Cisco, safety oh, yeah. not corner, but still defensive back. He came in during the spring. He earned the starting spot during the spring, worked on stuff over the summer, came in, had an interception in his first game. We know was a freshman All-American and is now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was, kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah that you have a couple of defensive backs in recent memory take a very similar path to announcing themselves to Syracuse fans. But moving on to the other side of the ball, the offensive line is where I wanted to go next. Uh, Syracuse, the last two years, we know the offensive line has had a lot of issues. Right, Tommy Abito's first year as a starter, he was hit and sacked more than any quarterback in college football. Last year, Syracuse ended up having to play three different quarterbacks. They had to take their starting fullback, Chris Elmore, move him to offensive line because of all the injuries they had. The guys that were playing weren't nearly 100% because they were banged up. This year, you start the season, you've got Chris Bleich in there, your transfer from Florida. He's now eligible. 
He starts at left guard and you run for 283 yards, uh, regardless of who you're playing against. That's still a huge number. You're averaging, Great. you know, five yards, six yards, carry, whatever it was. So uh, what was your thought about how the offensive line took some steps forward from last year to this year and how important that is uh, as, as the season goes along? It's definitely important, man, because if your line can get the running game starting, that opens up the pass game. So I feel like they were stuffing them down with that RPO. Every the hose was open wide, Tucker was breaking, you know, and he needed to thank his old line because they was putting the pressure on D linemen. They couldn't get up the field or penetrate. And uh I feel like that's they, they need to keep that momentum. Like I said, it will open up the pass game. You know, I feel like they was hitting them so much the RPO they couldn't control it, you know, the uh Ohio. Yeah, I think that's encouraging as as Syracuse goes throughout the season is even in games against, you know, th- there's a lot of people that will think, look at Ohio and think that's an inferior opponent. You should do that to a team like Ohio. But the last couple of years, they hadn't done that to teams like Ohio. And I think that's that's kind of the point is if the offensive line is going to take a step forward, this is exactly what they should be doing. You should be expecting them to dominate a team like Ohio at the line of scrimmage, opening up huge holes for Sean Tucker and then him taking Mason advantage of Cooper, Cooper, Lund, Cooper Lutz off the bench as well. Um, and then in pass protection, I know they didn't throw the ball a ton, but uh, only gave up one sack. And it, I didn't see, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if you disagree, but I didn't see the free rushers that I was used to seeing the last couple of years where it seemed like as soon oh, no. as DeVito would snap the ball, he'd have two or three guys right in his face immediately. I didn't see that. The one sack, you know, and it was a little bit of a coverage sack. Um, what did you see from pass protection from these guys? It was good. Like I said, it wasn't a lot of penetration, not a lot of hits on the quarterback, man. Like you said, it was a coverage sack. So that means the linemen's got to hold on longer than they expected, man. So definitely that's a great game. You know, that happens, you know, when the defense is covering good and quarterback sitting in the pocket, good dude might slip, you know what I'm saying? The time is off. So I think they did well, man, and if they keep it up, man, it's going to be a crazy season, especially, like I said, opening up with the RPOs and then getting to the pass game and knowing that your O-line is protecting you, he's going to have to, the video's going to have the confidence to throw that thing all around the field. And the fact that you're running the ball that well when your offensive line can open up those holes, you can control the line of scrimmage, and you can run the ball as successfully as they did, then when you do drop back and pass – your opponent is not going to be sending extra rushers because they have to sit back and try to stop your running game. So the, we saw so many blitzes the last couple of years against Syracuse because teams didn't fear the running game. And now when you've got Sean Tucker rushing for over 180 yards, when you've got Cooper Bob. off the bench and he's, he's having success when, when he's out there, DeVito was running the ball pretty well in those RPO action. Um, now that takes pressure off the passing game where that doesn't have to be your sole um, focus, your, your sole uh, option for picking up yards. Um, you know, when, when you're playing defense from, from your perspective and a team is running the ball against you, how does that impact how not just how you react to the run, but how you defend uh, when they do throw the ball? Uh, first of all, it slows down the rushing game because now the uh, D-line and O-line, the D-line is sitting down in the pocket and thinking about the run game more than the pass, so they're not really getting up to the field. So when you do the play-action pass, you might start a D, uh, the D-line, and as a DB, it's going to make you play even more cautious. You know what I'm saying? Being alert might get you on play-actions and stuff. So it definitely throws off the, the routine and the momentum of a defensive player. So, man, they're doing the right thing. Like I said, if a deep, if an offense get 
started with the run, the run, and run, and hit you with that pass is always going to throw you off, man. Because you always, you always want to. Especially in me in football, as a defensive player, I love keeping routine. You know what I'm saying? First, second down, you might get run, screen, draw. But if they getting all these yards and pops, now your mind going. It might be a run again. It might be a run again. Oops, it's a pass. So it always gets you off your your balance and your routine. So. I feel like they're they're ahead of the game, showing people that they can run the ball. And you know, the other team that they play next is gonna be, oh, they can run the ball, they can run the ball. It's not gonna be thinking about the pass. And that's when they're gonna start throwing it all over, man. That's when DeVito's gonna be hitting them passing yards and going crazy. Now, some defensive backs might get sucked in by the by the play action, but not Shamarco Thomas would never get sucked in by the play action. <laughs> Don't let anyone think otherwise on that. Um, but speaking <laughs> speaking of the offensive line, we we discussed him a little bit, but Sean Tucker and just the way that he ran. I know, obviously, oh, yes. as you said, you have to give the offensive line credit because of the holes that they open for him. But um, you have to have a running back that can take advantage of those. And not only did he take advantage of those, but he was successful at the second level and he made guys miss. He was, yes, you so know, he good. would give him a little hesitant, you know, a hesitation <laughs> shimmy and then go by and pick up another couple of yards uh, when he did get into the open field. You know, he took advantage of it, turned on the afterburners and picked up big yards. What was your assessment of, of Sean Tucker and, and the, the big start to the season that he had against Ohio? Man, from the first play, man, when he broke big one, it's like, like you said earlier, defense, defensive backs, you know what I'm saying? they miss a lot of tackles, man. He was making sure they missing. And that gets a DB on their toes, you know, when them holes wide open, your linebackers are not there, your D-line's not fitting. And he took advantage of it, man. He's put them DBs on their toes. And I like the way he runs. Honestly, he runs physical. He can make you miss. And, man, he was making them boys have a long day. And that's, that's what a DB don't want, to have a long day attacking the running back 24-7. You usually have your backers in the fits and D linemen coming and tackling for losses. They really making tackles for, for 15 yards plus, 10 yards plus, breaking. And it gets tiring back there. So I feel like he had an amazing day. I hope he keeps it up. And it was clear that his running and the running of Lutz and then, um, you know, when they brought in Abdul Adams late in the game and, and even Tommy DeVito's running, that the Ohio defense seemed gassed, especially as the game went along in the second half. And, and that only helps your, your, your ground attack when that happens. So the, the fact that they were able, you know, we've talked about this, but the offensive line, the running back, they go hand in hand. The fact that they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage, that Tucker was able to get to the second level and keep the chains moving and run the ball. They didn't have to rely on the passing game as much. It kept them in second and short, third and short situations so they could keep the chains moving, get into the red zone and, and get into scoring opportunities. Um, as a defensive player, when teams are running the ball well and they're getting into those second and short, third and short situations, how much pressure does that put on you? Draining because you, like I said earlier, on defense, you trying to get your offense the ball and they run the clock out, they getting more yards, they're draining you, tired, you want to get off the field, man. It comes with a whole bunch of tangibles, man. Your D line is tired, you can't get them off the field, you know. So I feel like that's what they did with that RPO, man. Confused them boys and had them drain out there, had them on skates, you know what I'm saying? And kept the momentum going with the running game. Absolutely. And Tucker, I think if he keeps running like that, he's going to be in the discussion for one of the all ACC teams uh, as, as will Deuce Chestnut if oh, he's yeah. playing like that as well. Um, let, let's go over to the quarterback, right? Quarterback Tommy DeVito. He's been um, as discussed a quarterback as Syracuse has had 
um, over the last couple of decades, both in the positive and the negative. We know he was a big recruiting when he was highly ranked and um, he came in and had a lot of success in 2018 as a backup to Eric Dungy and helped them to that, those 10 wins. But since he's been the starter, there's been, you know, a lot of, a lot of the fan base, I think that's down on him. And, and, you know, some of it, I understand some of it, go, you go through growing pains, but he's also has not had the privilege of having an offensive line. That's given him adequate protection pretty much since he's taken over as the starter. And that's led to injuries and et cetera. In this game, he was not asked to throw the ball a ton, but I thought his decision-making in the RPOs, when to hand it off to Tucker, when to keep it and run, I thought every single decision he made there was, was the correct one. I don't remember an RPO where it got blown up in the backfield. It seemed like everyone gained positive yards. He was very successful when he kept it and ran, scored a touchdown on the ground. Uh, starting with the RPO, what did you see from him in, in that aspect and his decision-making when to keep the ball, when to hand it off? Great decision making, man. I feel like he's a selfish player. You know what I'm saying? He does it for the team, man. Maybe some games you're not gonna have a crazy pass, but he did it to get the win for the team. And I feel like he's a great team player. And uh, like you said earlier, everybody goes through their ups and downs. You know what I'm saying? Injuries, bumps, bruises. But I feel like confidence is up, man. He's going to be a true leader, and that's that's the definition of being a true leader. Like I remember with NASA, you know what I'm saying? He's a great passer, but some games we had to run it with Delon Carters or you know what I'm saying Bailey and all them all them guys, man. You and that's that's the definition of a quarterback, man. Being selfless, selfless. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like that's what he was doing this game, man. And people might take credit from him from oh not passing the ball out, but he got the job done. He got the job done for his team and his coaches, man. I think he did a great job with the RPO, man. Confused the defense, man. The pass rush, the pass rushes was all confused. They couldn't get to him, you know what I'm saying, or the running back. So I feel like he did a great job, and he's a selfish and a great leader for the team. You know what I'm saying? I know he's going to have better passing games. And people will see. You know what I'm saying? This is the first game, and they'll see how, how he develops and his confidence goes up. We're going to have to do a separate podcast, I think, about some of those teams you were on. You mentioned in Massive and Bailey <laughs> and Carter, and I'm thinking of Alec Lemon and some of those NBA Alec Lemon, that's you know, so Some great players. Marquis Sproul was, was one of my favorite oh, players. Yes. He was, he oh, was yeah. good. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to have to do one and talk about some of those teams. Those were fun. But uh, I think, you know, your point to Tommy DeVito, I, I think, is, is pretty spot on. Sometimes I think there's um, a little bit of – there's too much, whatever you are right now is what you're always going to be in terms of the way that fans view players. No one is allowed to develop and get better and improve. And, you know, yeah. Tommy DeVito, what he was as a freshman and a sophomore, if, if you're a player that works hard at your craft and, and you continue to try to improve and et cetera, what you are as a junior and as a senior should be better than what it was previously. And so we've seen flashes from him where he's been very good in terms of how he's thrown the ball especially when he's had time and he's had protection. So I understand the frustration that it wasn't exactly what Syracuse fans wanted the last couple of years, right? They want yeah. to be a winning team. They want to be going to bowl games. <laughs> they want him to throw 40 touchdowns. And I get all of that. But the I think the narrative that just because he had struggles the last two years means it's impossible to be successful with him as the guy Sometimes I think that there's some nuance that gets lost in terms of player development and players getting better. And, uh, you know, you see things all the time. I mean, Shamarco, what you were as a true freshman was not what you were when you left Syracuse, right? Exactly. 
when you were a true freshman, I, I don't know that you were an NFL player then, but you were an NFL player when you left. So yes, and, and the same thing with Tommy DeVito. I, I, I think he, if he continues to play solid football, he deserves a chance to prove that he has developed and corrected some of those things that, that he's had gone wrong the last couple of years. Exactly. And people don't realize that them, them first years, you're still learning. The game is fast, man. You're still trying to seek all the knowledge to take you to the next level. So I feel like all them bumps and bruises and where people doubt him or say he's not this person, it ultimately molded him and matured him and made him ultimately be a better leader. You know what I'm saying? Be a better quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Be a better teammate. Be a better coach because he's probably got more knowledge now than he had like you said as a freshman or a sophomore so man I know it's Scott's limit for him man I'm, I'm hearing a lot of things about him being a leader you know what I'm saying being selflessness and taking control of the offense man and hearing him talk in the media just his demeanor is different so man I, I know his ceiling is high there's no limit so man you just gotta give people time to mold and become who they supposed to be man and they time's gonna show because that happened with me He's never lost confidence that much, I can tell you. Tommy is always <laughs> confident in, in himself and his abilities, that is for sure. Now, as, as a passer in this game, right, he wasn't asked to throw the ball a lot. He's 11 for 17, 92 yards. But he had one pass in the red zone that was, you know, probably a half yard to the outside of Taj Harris that would have been a touchdown. He had a deep ball that kind of went through the fingertips of Taj Harris uh, that would have been another touchdown. So he was – you know, inches away on a couple of passes that would have completely changed the narrative, I think, around his performance. Instead of 11 for 17 for 92 yards, what if he's 13 for 17 for 150 yards and two touchdowns along with what they did on the ground? And you give Syracuse eight more points because those two drives ended in field goals and they went 37 to nine. Now you've got a 280-yard ground performance. You've got DeVito efficient and throwing for two touchdowns and the whole narrative changes. So if you kind of take away those throws and look at what he did everywhere else, how would you assess his decision-making, his ability to go through his progressions and what he did throwing the football? I feel like he had a great game. I feel like everything as a quarterback is a rhythm. You know what I'm saying? Some days you're going to have a running game attack and then you're going to be kind of rusty in the pass game. And some days you can go crazy in the pass game and the running game is not playing. It's depending on what type of defense you're playing, you know, and uh, they did what it had to take to be suitable for this defense. Man, why, why? I always tell myself or my coaches, Marone or the NFL coaches tell me, like, why change it up? You know what I'm saying? If it's working. And uh, RPO was working. You know what I'm saying? The run game was working. And it was getting them points on the ball. You may have had two, like you said, two passes that a little bit out of the way and when somebody dropped it, but that's that, that's not gonna stop the game or the or the win. You know what I'm saying? Obviously they was ahead of the game and I feel like he's gonna have a game where he's gonna be passing crazy and they they gonna have to rely on his passing arm and not the running game. So I feel like he did a great job, man. Like I said, I believe in him. Yeah, and, and your point about rhythm is uh really interesting. And I think uh, a lot of fans should should take away from this game exactly that. The running game was working. You didn't need to throw the ball. And every time they started to go, you know, uh, pass heavy, it wasn't as successful as it was on the ground against this team. In, in Ohio, when you look at what they did last year as a defense, even though they only played in three games, that was their MO. They were efficient against the pass, but they struggled against the run. And Syracuse was able to take advantage of that. Andrew. Didn't need to go to the air. And so they use the RPO, they use the power running game. And I do think there's a little bit of a stigma that, that because of the Dino Babers offense, that it's pass, 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 pass. They want to run the ball. They want to establish the run. 
and that can set everything else up. So the fact that they were able to do that, and then DeVito was navigating that with um, play calls, with adjustments to the line of scrimmage, with RPO action, sometimes I think those things are a little bit underrated in terms of what a quarterback can be. And you know good quarterback play because you got to play with Ben Roethlisberger as a future yes, Hall of Famer, so you, yes, you definitely know that. Uh, let's wrap up on this. Just your final thoughts on the win against Ohio, beating a team by 20 points on the road, what it means for Syracuse's confidence and how they can take and build upon that going forward. Uh, I think it's great, man. I hope they got the same mentality as take it one game at a time, man. They take this one in, take it one day, they celebrate it, and then get back to the drawing board, man. But like I said, on the road, it's hard to win. So getting that game, getting that win with that that big of a spread, man, that's exciting for them and the coaching staff and for the players to have their confidence against the next team and the next opponent. So I'm proud of them boys, man. Like I said, I always say the sky's the limit. Watch, watch. Y'all see DeVito, you'll see Tucker, all them boys keep balling. I respect Chestnut coming in as a freshman and balling. And I just say it's sky's the limit, man. They, their momentum is going to keep pushing. And that's how we was with Nassib and them, man. We believe in ourselves. We took it one game at a time. And every win we took in, we celebrated for a little bit, then we moved on. And I hope they got the same mentality. I want to bring Kyle in here to get his thoughts on Syracuse versus Ohio. We haven't heard much from him yet. <laughs> so let's let's get Kyle's thoughts and he can impress the world with his football knowledge right now. I, I, I hope right. I can. I hope I can. Um, the big thing for me is just this felt like a confidence booster as across the board. That points last year, you saw that the entire team just looked like they weren't trying at some points when we were just getting demolished by teams. And it looked like they needed a big game, one big win to start the season. Yes, it's against Ohio. Okay doesn't matter who it is as long as you can get a big win. I mean, you see in basketball all the time, these teams, they face D3 teams in a quick matchup. The, the Dukes win by 50, and it's like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. It's a confidence booster at the end of the day. And, I mean, Sean Tucker did it. If DeVito, as you said, hits those passes, I mean, this could be a huge win for Syracuse. Absolutely. Exactly. My, my final thoughts on it are, as you mentioned, I do think it's a confidence booster. I, I thought that Syracuse – showed more athleticism at skill positions than I'd seen the last couple of years. Uh, I thought the offensive line was much more competent than what we'd seen the last couple of years. And so regardless of opponent, just seeing some of those things, I think that's encouraging for the way the rest of the season goes. They've got a big week two matchup against Rutgers that we're going to dive into much more in episode two later this week. But uh, I think that that's going to be, um, not telling as far as, you know, the way the rest of the season is going to go, because I do think that we need to not make every single game a referendum on exactly what this team is going to be and will always stay to be. I think there needs to be some, a little bit of nuance and ability to improve as the season goes along um, to use one of Shamarco Thomas's teams, the, the team um, with Ryan Nassib that I think won eight games. They, they started out and, and struggled early in the year and they won four or five games at the end of the year, whatever it was in a row and ended up, even though they didn't end up ranked, they were clearly one of the best 25 teams in the country the way they were playing at the end of the year and won a pinstripe bowl on top of it. So, uh, yes, this Rutgers game is big because I think a win here really gets those that are still skeptical in the fan base and, and puts them firmly on board. But I don't think a loss means that the season is over either. So we'll get more into that in our next episode. But for Jamarco Thomas and Kyle F., thank you so much for tuning in to the Believe in Syracuse podcast. We'll have much more for you this week. But for everyone else, 
thank you for tuning in. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.